You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. So, Michael, are we kicking this podcast off or are we thrown to it? Well, you know what? I've got a, uh, I've got a, a glass of wine here in my uh, hands. and uh, Well, in one hand. I don't usually two-fist uh, wine unless I have two glasses. Okay. <laughs> so, Andre, uh, we are at uh, Nella Cucina. You, you know what? If I can give a quick shout-out to where we're sitting. Because as we've told uh, the listeners of the podcast before, my wife is a pastry chef. I'm very proud of my wife. I think a lot of home cooks... By the way, Nella's not paying us to say this. I don't know why I feel the need to say that, but I feel like I need to say that. Nella is a place that is open to home cooks, but this place is a professional kitchen supply shop. And they provide a lot of the knives, plates, forks, glasses, everything that you need to run a professional kitchen. And I think it's really impressive that uh, Rafino, we're about to interview Beppe D'Andrea of Rafino, would choose this as a venue to um, to show your wine. So, uh, Beppe, thanks for joining us. Shout out to Nella. And uh, there is a shout out we have to do before we uh, we even kick off the podcast. Oh, to of course. Who? Um, because um, uh, the, those who are paying us to do the podcast oh, for the rest right. of the month, uh, Valduca. Valduca. So oh. very much a th- big thank you to Valduca. So this actually fits within it because we're, uh, we're talking at- all Italian Italy again all the time. Valduca Prosecco, the, the sparklingest Prosecco that two guys talking wine love for the Correct. rest of twenty twenty two. Yes, <laughs> and and beyond. Oh, twenty twenty three. It's twenty 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 three three. Yes. So the official. Uh, spa- uh, sparkling wine of a two guys talking wine, which is Baldoka. So you and I just came from Roy Thompson Hall. There was a big Italian tasting. You and I will probably debrief about that after. But I mean, Beppe, we have you here in front of us, and uh, thank you for coming to Toronto. Thank you, Andre. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Actually, I'm uh, doing the entire journey of uh, Italian trade agency events. I, so, I started from Vancouver, Calgary, and today here. So I'm in your Montreal and again. Next, next will be Montreal, and that's it. Correct. The and then, in Montreal, and then that's okay, it. Let, let me start with the first. Question: How much better is Toronto than Calgary? I, allora, Calgary uh, is actually I, I found the winter. Actually, the the temperature was a little cold. Temperature was minus seventeen and the, what? The, minus seventeen to my, minus seven. So can you imagine an Italiano, Italiano that is uh, in the sunshine all the time at the minus? Uh, you know, it's, it's incredible. Yes, because I, I go to Tuscany every year. Uh, for the uh, anteprima, yeah. and uh, I think the coldest it's ever been in February has been maybe five. Exactly. You know, it's never exactly. that cold. Can you imagine? Okay, so and you guys are always, you know, they're always with yeah. coats on, and the Canadian delegation is always in shorts and t-shirts, because yes. we love it, and yeah. by February we're so, used to it. Be- Beppe, congratulations, you're an honorary Canadian because that's the most Canadian thing that we do when I talk to my family who live in Western Canada or I talk to people who live on the East Coast the first thing you talk about is the weather I think we can move on to the wine now <laughs> yes so actually the weather is very important for us because uh, wine uh, is very well influenced by mamma natura mother nature and without a good uh, good uh, uh, you know, help of mother nature we cannot make a very good wine so for that some years uh, is better than others for example, the last year, 2023, we had uh, lots of rain in the springtime when uh, vines were blooming, and then a hot summertime, and so we had to select, and we are organic winery. So for that, we lost the part of uh, production, uh, 20% of the production at least we lost. 
so uh, tell us uh, where, first of all, Rufino is located. Rufino was established in 1877 by Rufino family. At that time, the wine was not important for pleasure and for business. The wine was important because the people need the calories, and calories come from wine. So when Rufino established the company, it was because they had to offer higher quality of the wine at the Italian consumer. Rufino today actually means eight estates located mostly in Toscana, and we are in Florence and Siena area, and coming soon will be also wine from Bulgari, because we have Bulgari wine, but so far sold in Italy, but we don't have enough wine to export. But for that, we had to, you know, to purchase a vineyard. We uh, just, we got it, 15 hectares of vineyards in Bulgari. In that case, we have more juice also for uh, for uh, the export of Bulgari and Bulgari Superiore. I, I, I do have a, a quick question. So, like, obviously, Bulgari has a very, and pardon my Italian accent, but it's got, like, a very international reputation. Yes. Um, what does it cost to buy 15 hectares of vines in Bulgaria right now? I tell you in the air, one million per hectare. Holy wow. shit. <laughs> yeah. One million per hectare. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's a very, that's a very, uh, that's a region that is very sought after. Yes. Can, can, can I ask you, though, um, what was it about Bulgari, like you have a, a region that, or, so you have a winery with a long Italian history. Why was it important for Rufino to purchase vineyards? In, in because uh, actually, it's important when uh, you have uh, so many properties, where so many uh, uh, vineyards, uh, we have uh, an extension of uh, the most important uh, 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 wine region of the Tuscany. So while, when our cell rep is uh, maybe traveling, maybe the customer, the restaurant, they are asking for, have you a Bulgari? Uh, no. So for that sometime, so the request of the consumer, but also for the prestige, actually, we have, for example, we have uh, only for Italian market, we have a distribution of champ- French champagne. Why? Because when our guys are selling wine in a the restaurant, they say, oh, have you any champagne? In that case, they say, yes, we uh, have this distribution, you know. So for that, we have to complete, you know, the, the portfolio with some other wines. In that case, better you purchase the vineyards. So, so the Bulgari vineyards are Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Mostly, Brown, yes. Petit Verdot. And, yes. and you have a name for this winery yet? Still not. Still nothing. It's all still nothing. It's but, all darts on the board, you flipping not, coins. You will not soon. Okay. The, the, okay. This is when we're like you're a guest on the on the podcast, but uh, having had a chance to taste Rufino wines regularly, I would look forward to seeing a Rufino Super Tuscan on the market. Yes. I think that's something yeah. really exciting. I would too. I'm looking forward to that actually. So, yeah. Okay, let, let, let's move into. What we don't know, so what you don't know about me, Beppe, and what we've talked about on the podcast a lot, I focus a lot on Niagara, and I drink a lot of French wines. I've been trying to learn more about Italian wines. Obviously, Tuscany is a really easy way in, and I love it when Chianti Classico makes it to my house, and Michael and I, we've written the Toronto Life gift guide for the past four years. This is our fifth year? Yeah, fifth year, yeah. And we're always excited when we see Rufino wines sent to us. Um... I mean, they're just, it's consistent level of quality. And the thing I like about them, especially recommending them to readers, is they are approachable. I mean, not not necessarily the most difficult or 
often not the most complex, but I don't say that in a bad way because it means that if you don't know a lot about wine, you can pick up what we're drinking right now, which is the Oro. Oro, which is the this is a Grand Selezione. Grand Selezione. Yeah, so it's the Reserva Ducale. Oro Grand Selezione. So, so the the Grand Selezione. Is thirty uh, months in uh, barrel, three months in bottle, at least. Uh, so that's that's a, at least. Like I, to me, this is the 2019. I find this wine very approachable now. Uh, is that due to the? Um, is that due to the vintage of 2019? Is the vintage, okay. but also you know Sangiovese express uh, the best after some years. So it's very good young, but year after year improve in terms of the quality. So because Sangiovese is a little higher in acidity. So for that, you can see that this wine after some years, uh, of course, depends if you like uh, an aged wine. But yes. the wine usually after five or six years is much better. Like this in- wine, I, I, like, I don't know about you, Andre. I know you don't like aged wine too much, but this is very approachable right now. Yeah. But I could see, because... I love Sangiovese, and, and the reason I love that grape variety is because of that acidity. It's You can see when you taste Sangiovese and Chianti and any other wines made with Sangiovese, why Italy has that food culture. It's yes. because the acidity yes. is so high. It's like I need some food to go with it. Yeah. The food culture is, is also like it's the reason why I've gravitated to Chianti Classico. Like, even though being a French wine lover, I think a lot of people would assume that I love Bulgaria. The wines are too expensive for someone who's getting into wine uh, this is one of the my favorite Grand Selezione's that I've tasted because the thing I usually am critical about when you and I get a chance to taste Grand Selezione is they taste like wood yeah. this doesn't taste like wood this yes. tastes like fruit correct, but, correct. But even, even a regular can't take it so going back to the yeah. food is like what I really like is the um, the tomato stem note that you get from San Giovese and I'm French my wife is a French trained chef. I've <clears throat> fallen in love with French cuisine, but I've come back to Italian cuisine where I've understood that the power of Italian cuisine comes from the quality of the ingredients. And I think that goes right down to the wine on your table. And we do a lot of Italian cooking at home, which is why we drink a lot of Classico. So tell us about the 2019 vintage. <clears throat> so I think that's important. Ni- that's why, why is this so juicy now? Is also, there is a, uh, a particular. This wine, like a majority of the Chianti and Chianti Classico, aged in large barrels, mm. not in small barriques. So for that, that barrels doesn't give any flavor at the wine. And uh, though just we need the word to age the wine well. And slowly, slowly, because you know well, small barrels, faster aging, big barrel, slower aging. Reserva Ducale Oro, since 1947, is made in this way. Actually, single estate, made only in the very best vintages, and aged at at least three years, but always in the big barrels. And so, big barrels are not new, because we have a barrels, you, next time you will be in Toscana, you will yeah. see, 20, 30 years old, you know, we don't need as fresh wood. So for that, what gives uh, the flavor of wine? Grape. Who, may, who produced the grape? Mamma Natura. So for that, when we have a good wine, actually, it's always a good weather. You have seen, you know, so many wineries around the world. So many great wines. So different wines, but you have just one thing in common. Good grape, make a good wine. Bad grape, make a bad wine. Exactly. So. Exactly. So what I also would like to... So considering that Ontario, which is where we're doing the podcast, obviously, but we're, we're listening to elsewhere, but... It'd be interesting to find out, in your opinion, uh, I know my opinion because I, I, I go get to do the uh, Prima Toscana every year, 
But uh, start. let's start from 2016, because those are probably the wines that you're probably going to see on them. You can see some 16 still on the market. Obviously, you're going to see some 17, 18, 19. Tell us about the vintages, starting with 16. But I could say 16 maybe was uh, a good vintage. Um, actually, we had to produce a little less because we had the summer raining during the summertime. And so with a little rainy season for us, and we had to produce a little less. 17 was a, a great harvest, actually. We had uh, great wines, and uh, so we could produce a little more. And we made, actually, Reserva Ducale or also in the 17. 18 was a good balance at everything. Then we had 19. So because the wine is always a balanced, uh, harmonia, harmonia. When you have a good weather, uh, rain when exactly have to rain in the summertime. And uh, then during harvest, we have a, a dry uh, uh, end of a summer. You have a great grape and a dry grape, you make uh, for sure a great wine. And so for that, we have... Uh, uh, very uh, similar each other, just a little more rain, maybe in the 16, and then in the other vintages after. So then, so then, uh, because now we're at Grand Selection, obviously this is an old, a, a, a wine that ages a little more. So we're going to start seeing the Chianti and Chianti Classicos yes. coming. So 2021, what are those vintages like? 2020, guys, you know well, was very bad for us. Oh, because, why? Hey, well, I'm with COVID, probably, you remember. Yes, terrible for human terrible beings. Terrible for human. But the Mamma Natura did a great job. It was the same thing for us. 2020, maybe... Not only Ruffino, of course, but generally speaking, wine in Italy 2020 was perfect. Springtime, we were in lockdown, incredible uh, springtime. We had a great summertime and rained maybe exactly when uh, the vines needed water, not too much. And then we had a great harvest. And actually, tw- we will remember 2020 when it will be released. Same in Ontario. Yes, we yes. Ontario. 2020, incredible. It's, it's because man stopped screwing around. Allora, mamma natura. Oh. Okay, th- that's actually a really interesting, interesting theory on that because, like, so twenty. 20- Michael and I, we've worked really hard, and, and and this is what I want you to, to clarify on is we've gotten into a bad habit in Ontario because we have everything planted here. We have uh, Burgundy varieties, so a lot of Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, which I think Michael and I generally agree are better suited for the climate. But we also have people with Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, and in a hot year. Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot will be great. Chardonnay and Riesling will be more of a challenge. Where 2020 was an anomaly for us where hot days, cold nights. So whether you made Pinot Noir or you made Cabernet Sauvignon, you held acid. So I just want to ask you, because you're talking about good and bad vintage. You've been to the Anteprima. You work for Rufino. Yes. Describe to me what makes a vintage good for Sangiovese. Is it just hot and dry? Yes. Okay. So, so boom, you hit it. Okay, but 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 I guess the, the follow up question I have then, where I wanted to go with this then, is with um, climate change. Obviously, things are getting hotter and things are getting drier. Are there challenges coming for you in yes. Tuscana, and how are you preparing for these challenges? So, actually, what is happening? Uh, global warming. The risk is to have always uh, too much alcohol in the wine. So, what uh, is happening? That we are studying our agronomist. Actually, the guys uh, working in the vineyards. They are studying uh, kind of uh, uh, roots, root stock that okay. you know ripe the grape a little earlier. In that case, we can harvest the grape a little earlier. Keep Higher acidity. I remember. I am older man, guys. You know well. You can see me. So I am 
old. At my time, when the end of 1980s, when we made wine, Chianti Classico Reserva, when it was 13, 13.5% in alcohol, was huge. Now it's 14, maybe 15% in alcohol. You know, for that, something changed. So for that, we cannot do anything versus the global warming, but we can do something in the fields. What we can do in the fields? To uh, plant vines that are ripe earlier. In that case, we can harvest a little early, earlier, keeping higher acidity and maybe uh, with the right uh, sugar that then will, be, will give us 13.5-14%. Yes. And the fruits ripening? Exactly. Okay. So for that, but you have just to create the best combination of the rootstock and the part of the vine that usually come from a mama vine, you know. Mama vine, as you know, produce good grape independent climate condition. When we identify the mama, we pick the material from the mom and then they graft at the new rootstock creating the baby vines and clone selection. And then in that case, so we have to create this combination that give us grape earlier. This is the thing I think I find frustrating as a wine writer given where we're at in history. Because I think up till now, at least up until the last few years, our focus was more on good wine, bad wine, whatever. Things like crop yields, things like clone selection, things like rootstock were things that I don't think an average consumer needs to know about. But you're the second like wine principal from a, a company who has talked about how important rootstock is going to be going forward. And I, I think this is one where I don't want to get into the letters and numbers because we could talk about SO2 and AAB and, and like whatever all the letters are, and that won't mean anything to a consumer. But I think, Michael, you and I have our work cut out for us for the next five to ten years to make sure people understand that what's happening in the vineyards is critical to make sure that things like this, that wines like this continue to survive in regions like Tuscany that are further south that have the heat. Then you know well, Sangiovese loves a little stress. You know well. Sangiovese doesn't like... uh, no, the, why doesn't like uh, uh, Bulgari? Because it, it's too rich kind of a soil. And the roots don't like that. The rootstock of a Sangiovese love the stress. Rocks, clay, limestones, galestro stones. And so, and no water. Led, less water, ma- but much better. So, for example, Montalcino, as you know, is uh, forbidden to use irrigation system there. But also because they don't have water. We are talking about the clone selection. Who, who did in Tuscany, who created the first clone selection? in Italy, you know well, in Toscana, 1862, Ferruccio Biondi Santi, because when this guy, Ferruccio, he, he would like to make something for, for aging, nobody made wine in 1800 for aging, but this guy, he would like to make something for aging, and in the, vi- in the vineyards, in the vines, because we're not vineyards at that time, we're spread out vines, he classified the summer vines as mama, he picked the material, he created Sangiovese Grosso, 1862, and he planted the vines, and he understood that if he like to make a wine for aging, he couldn't uh, make a w- a wine when the vines were three years old. No, he planted in 1862, and he made the first wine, a 1868, so six years later, and when he uh, checked the color, the wine at the end of the aging, he said, questo vino è di color brunello, the color wine is brun, Ferruccio Biondisanti, so you know well, our still now Brunello is a Sangiovese 100%, but still now most of the vineyards of Brunello are vines made by mom that are 80, 90 years old, you know, for that, 
the that close election was right at that time. So I have another question for you that 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 also goes to uh, grape selection, I guess. So so Bordeaux just announced that they are going to uh, add some extra um, uh, some extra uh, grape varieties yep. into the mix. Is this something that uh, that Tuscany is going to do? Or are we going to look at more either indigenous or more? Perfetto, Michael. This is a perfect question. I've never heard anyone say perfect yeah. question to you, Michael. It's a perfetto. It's, not, yeah, it's no. perfetto. Why is it perfetto? Very simple. We have here a Gran Selezione. So far, Gran Selezione is a wine with the, which we can make uh, with a blending. It's a blend, mix of the grape, you know, and we can use also international varietal. There is an upgrade, maybe you know well, maybe our guys uh, that are hiring us, uh, they don't know well, is a uh, UGA yes. is, uh, is coming soon. What it means that so far you cannot see on the label where we make the wine. Isn't the Chianti Classico? Yes, but Chianti Classico, not to south, are 60 kilometers. Yes. Where did you make this wine? And so the upgrade will, will be exactly this to add the, the every single label. So far, only Gran Selezione, the name of the village. But for this, we have to use only indigenous varietals. Right. Only the varietals of our grandparents. It means mostly Sangiovese, Colorino, Canaiolo, Malvasia Nera, Ancelotta, the grapes that were popular long time ago. Then, when people love to, you know, create something more international, it was 1990s, we started with the, with the Cabin Malone. Okay, please tell me there's not going to be a quiz, because... That was a lot of varieties I'm not familiar with that I would have to oh, remember. Oh, I love some of those great varieties. Canaolo is wonderful. You know, one of my favorite, and I don't know if it's it's grown in Tuscany, Chile Azor. Chile Giolo. Oh, I love Chile Giolo. <laughs> I think it's a great, great And it sounds, it's so much fun to say. But UGA, just for uh, for Andre, basically what we're looking at are subzones. That's what they are. They are their subzone, basically, for, the, okay, for I, lack of a better yes, term. Yes, and there's going to be 13, yes, if I'm not yes, mistaken, okay. in Chianti. Exactly. So, so, so that's the thing. Is, is As someone who's fallen in love with Burgundy, when you have a region that subdivides by geography, yes. I think that makes it... I think as a consumer, especially as a consumer that's spending a little bit more money on wine, that makes me excited because it gives me a moving target to, to understand. But, uh, okay, the question I have as someone who still doesn't know a lot about... Tuscany and a lot about Italian wines. You're talking about these changes. You're talking about indigenous varieties. Um, are you working with the consorzio and, and like, is everyone working to make sure that the quality is being maintained in spite of climate change? And as a consumer, will I still just be looking for the black rooster when yes. I go to the LCBO? Yeah. And the last part of the question, sorry for the long question, because we have to wrap after this. Does that mean that my Chianti Classico might no longer be just Sangiovese? It might be a mix of some of the grapes that you talked about. Allora, uh, Chianti Classico has been always a blend. Is okay. Always, uh, since the beginning. Okay. Only for a certain period, maybe uh, trendy, is a Sangiovese 100%. But it's been always, a uh, long time ago, was uh, red and white grapes. Sangiovese, Canaiolo, red. Trebbiano and Malvasia, white. Now we don't do this anymore because the wine is that is a, is a you know something different. It was interesting because I did uh, during one of the Antiprimas we did a seventy year retrospect and we had wine uh, like one wine from each decade and it was amazing. But some of those wines were made with a little bit of white grape. Yes, but it, it has been determined that the white grape doesn't age as well as the yes. red, and so yes, um, that's that's what ended up happening. 
So, Beppe? Yeah. Um, I think this is as good a place as I need to, to stop. I Grazie. Mean, we're about to cook dinner. And, Grazie a uh, tutti. It's always a crash course on, on Tuscany, so thank you so much. Come, come in Tuscany, and uh, guys, everyone, enjoy good wine, good food, and uh, enjoy the life. Grazie a voi. Grazie a voi, guys. I'm still eternally jealous every time you get to go to the Anteprima. Um, I've been kind of self-guiding my knowledge on Sangiovese, and um, I think it's going okay, but especially after my trip to uh, Burgoyne this summer, um, I definitely learned better by being there. I realize that uh, that I, I learn much better when I am at uh, not just not just wineries, uh, but when I get to taste a lot of wine. <laughs> like the more I get to taste, the more I understand. Like when I was in the Loire, um, you know, tasting a lot of Cabernet Franc was great and all. But I mean, when I start when they started breaking it down into Chinon and Anjou and all that, then I started to learn. And I think yeah. it's very similar to the way Tuscany is. Um, it's wonderful to taste a lot of Chianti, but then you've got to taste uh, uh, Vino Nobile, you've got to taste Brunello, and you see the differences in their uh, in their approach to making the wines. Well, thanks to uh, Beppe Dandria and uh, to the people at Artera for lining up that interview. It was a wonderful night out, and um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the Rufino wines. So, Andre, if if you had uh, one wine to pick from that uh, from that tasting, because uh, there was a there was a kind oh, of a dinner, the, um, that... the the Grand Reserva. You like the Grand Reserva? Yeah, and that's um, not something I typically gravitate to. I, I mean, this is something I just I feel like as a point of clarification, because as we know, especially over the past couple of years in the podcast, my tastes have been getting a bit more expensive. I generally don't like a lot of the Grand Selezions just because they are so oak heavy, uh, like like unapologetically oak heavy. And this one was a little bit more balanced, rounded, uh, softer tannins, just like a ready to rock. Like, yeah, it was a, it was an easier to drink wine. I I still leaned a little more towards the uh, the IGT, the uh, the Modus, which is the Merlot, Cab Sauve, uh, Sangiovese, what you called the the Super Tuscan yeah. uh, kind of wine. I I really liked that wine. I thought uh, the 2019 was one of the better ones they've had in quite some time so well there we go i'm andre Pru from andrewinereview.ca follow me on social media at andrewinereview please subscribe tell your friends about the podcast leave a rating or review we really appreciate it definitely helps us continue to grow our audience and patreon.com slash two guys talking wine and uh, i'm michael pincus of michaelpincuswinereview.com can be found on social media as the great guy and michaelpincuswinereview.com and michael pincus and yeah good night Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.